Get informed, get inspired, and get connected. CannabisRadio.com presents NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. The National Cannabis Industry Association is the only national trade organization representing the businesses of the legal cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice covers a range of topics, including the rapidly evolving political and policy changes that affect our industry, news and events of importance to cannabis professionals, and features on companies, individuals, and campaigns at the cutting edge of the cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice begins now. Hello, thanks for tuning in to another episode of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Bethany Moore. I'm the Communications Manager at the National Cannabis Industry Association. Today, my guest is Kevin Love. He's the Director of Product Development at Cannabineers. They produce a line of high-quality cannabis-infused products, including True Buds, Two Roots, and Just Society. Hello, Kevin. Thanks for having me, Bethany. Absolutely. So let us get to know you. Uh, let's find out more about your background, who you are, and what were you doing prior to getting involved in this cannabis movement and industry? Sure. So I'm originally from the East Coast where cannabis really isn't that big of a trend. Um, at least it wasn't a couple of years ago when I decided to make the move over to the industry. Uh, I worked on Wall Street for many years as a associate portfolio manager for RBC, which is the Royal Bank of Canada. Um, as you know, Canada has very progressive uh, cannabis laws with recent recreational legalization. Mm-hmm. Uh, so working for a Canadian uh, global bank, uh, you actually have a lot of insight as to opportunities that exist um, within certain markets. And the cannabis industry was always um, a very um, uh, forward topic that we would discuss openly in the office right on Wall Street in New York City. And no one would ever kind of admit to knowing too much about the cannabis industry and bear in mind <laughs> this was back in 2015 uh-huh. so things were a little taboo back then um, but what I've noticed was that there was really this huge um, humanities balance um, within the cannabis space that uh, was offset and um, I took it upon myself to self-educate about cannabis in general because I was never really a heavy consumer growing up and you know I never really um, drank alcohol either so I, I was pretty limited in um, in in those two areas, uh, but obviously alcohol is completely normalized. So I, I wanted to learn more about cannabis and having kind of the financial insight. I wanted more of the personal insight as well. Um, so I, I did a lot of research about cannabis in general from a medicinal level, and I came to the realization that uh, we were wrong for so many years, so many you know decades, centuries about um, this powerful medicine. Yeah, um, we've been so lied to. <laughs> we we have been, which is it's so unfair. So for me you know, I mentioned earlier, uh, a humanities balance, right? And that's exactly what it is. So, um, you know, the humanities needs to have freedoms and they need to have um, expressive opportunities. And, you know, this is no different than, you know, back in the 1960s where, um, you know, a new generation was coming in, um, you know, upset about the war in Vietnam, right? Um, It's no different than the 1930s where people were upset about prohibition and wanted to enact change. And this is the prohibition for the industry. And I just, I I felt so um, drawn to move out to the West Coast 
um, start this organization with a couple of my partners and really make a impactful change into the industry and try to drive this normalcy and education um, about what cannabis actually is because we've been misinformed for oh so long. Gotcha. Yeah, that's great. So, yeah, that's a great overview of your background and, and you're kind of alluding to that inspiring you to get involved with cannabineers specifically. So now you're with cannabineers and you're director of product development there. What are you finding there in your role and what your company's doing and and how do you like it? Yeah, well, I, I'm definitely satisfied with my decision I made several years ago to join the team and uh, come out to the West Coast and be part of the industry um, as, as a greater good. Um, you know, it, it, it's it's pretty interesting to think about how much we've grown as an organization in the past few years. Um, Cannabineers is actually just one component of our overall business that we own and operate. We actually oversee 11 unique businesses, and uh, that includes dispensaries, cultivation, and production facilities, both in Nevada and in California. So Cannabineers was really uh, the organization that we wanted to pay a lot of attention to because we noticed that there is a growth spike in the edibles market, um, in, in uh, cannabis consumption in general, but there really wasn't any product that uh, was fitting into the um, social choice um, products that consumers um, would ordinarily be exposed to in traditional markets. Okay. And what I mean by that is we look at chocolate bars, we look at gummies, we look at tinctures. Um, there's, there's kind of a strong disconnect between what we're giving cannabis consumers to what their actual um, options should be. Um, I'm an adult. I don't generally go and pick up a candy bar every day or gummies. <laughs> and, you know, I, I don't want to be insulting because there's a lot of people that um, do prefer um, that sort of lifestyle, but I'm just not one of them. Um, so we wanted to look at where the opportunity really was and where the consumer has been kind of left uh, without a choice for um, a period of time. And what we decide to do is just offer uh, three categories that are uh, within the most highly consumable um, categories in the entire world, and that being coffee, tea, and beer. Uh, so if you look at these these three options and then look at how they fit into the cannabis market, um, it's it's such a seamless fit. And it's it's kind of one of those things where you step back and say, well, why hasn't this been done before? Mm-hmm. And, and that's a very tough question to answer. <laughs> so we learned a lot over the past few years as we've been developing these products. And what we've learned is that um, we really needed to hit an intersection of delivery uh, methods and then also the ability, especially for our product T Roots, of finding a way to remove alcohol from a beer while maintaining the integrity of the flavor profile. So I think the most important is how do you make an edible emulate the effects of alcohol, which most consumers are very familiar with, right? So rapid onset and quick dissipation. Um, unlike traditional edibles where, you know, it's an hour plus onset in some cases, and that high can last for upwards of, you know, eight, nine, 10 hours. Um, it's not really a um, consumption um, um bell chart that we're familiar with, or at least it's something that we had to inherit that we're unable to change, unfortunately. So what we wanted to do is we didn't want to fall victim of what they told us we needed to do, but yet we wanted to forge a new path because we wanted to give consumers A, a product that they want to consume, and B, a product that they're familiar with the consumption bell curve. Um, 
you know, that being of a reference to alcohol. And, and that's really what we've been working on for the past three years. And we've come out with three great product lines that we're really proud of. And we think are going to start paradigm shifting the entire industry towards this rapid onset and quicker dissipation for a more enjoyable and more responsible experience. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I completely agree with you. I, I can't eat a chocolate bar every day either. Um, I mean, I probably I probably shouldn't. So, right. um, but but I do drink coffee and tea and beer just about every day. Right. And, <laughs> so and, that and makes sense to time, me. What, what, what is cannabis all about, right? It's all about the socialization, right? So if if we're sitting in a circle, hanging out, having a conversation at a friend's house, we're not passing around a chocolate bar, uh, mm. reminiscing on the good old days. But instead, if we bring, you know, a coffee or a tea or a beer, um, it's more of a impactful uh, socialization measure versus um, trying to um, enforce something that doesn't really fit given the environment. So again, you meet friends for coffee at Starbucks, uh, you have beers at barbecues. So, so why don't we have those products available in the industry and, and that's really where the, the largest question um, was proposed and, and we wanted to act on that uh, for all those reasons. Yeah. Did you say the the beer product, you've removed the alcohol from it so it's it, it's it's a brewed fermented sort of beverage but doesn't have the 5.2% alcohol that you would normally find in a beer. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Um, it's actually um, less than 0.5% ABV. Uh, so we are brewing beer under a very traditional format in a uh, brewery that we own here in Southern California, which is the craft brewery capital of the world. <laughs> so yeah. we have a ton of influence that we can rely on in order to make a high quality craft beverage. And then from there, we actually acquire dealkalization equipment from Europe, which um, you know we're coming out on record saying it's the first of its kind in the United States. We've been getting some pushback from other breweries that are <laughs> that are a little upset about that claim, but um, as far as we know, the company in which we acquired this equipment from has not sold to anyone else in the United States. So, you know, there's different variations of this this sort of technique to remove alcohol uh, from beer. So, we're we're doing that in a very um, delicate way to ensure that we're not uh, degrading the flavor integrity of the product before we infuse it with a water soluble THC. Uh, so that's that's essentially what the process is. Is, and it took about two years for us to to get it right. You know, it's it's for me. I I, I like to say it's very bin binary, right? It's it's a yes or a no. Are we going to um, do this right and take all the steps that we need to take to get it right, or are we going to you know kind of put it together in a fragmented way just to get a product out? And we we really dedicated ourselves to spending two years of ensuring that we got this correct uh, so the consumer would be satisfied with the end product. And what I will say is we have been selling in Nevada and I am overwhelmed by the positive reinforcement that we've been receiving from all the consumers that have purchased this product. We haven't had one adverse opinion on tea roots hmm. to date. And uh, it feels great to know that we put that much time in and we got it right. So exciting. That's great. All right. We're going to take a quick commercial break here, but we'll be right back to talk more with Kevin Love of Cannabineers. Stay tuned. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. At Alternative Vibes, our core values of quality, loyalty, respect, and honesty guides us in our mission to help families find peace and harmony through our products and services. 
Whether you are looking for a more natural way of living, shopping essential oils, topicals, and edibles, or searching for a path towards achieving your goals, we are your choice. Learn more about our complete line of natural products and solutions at AlternativeVibes.com. Bringing quality of living to life. AlternativeVibes.com. Introducing Blue Moon CBD, straight from the bluegrass of Kentucky. With our special nano emulsion process, you'll not only get the best CBD available, you'll get more of it. Not all CBD is the same. It's your body. It's your choice. Get relief from inflammation, anxiety, and stress. Go to www.bluemoonhemp.com and use code HEMP420 for a 20% discount on your order. Balance your body. Balance your life. Make it Blue Moon CBD. The smoke is rising, and the next crop of podcasts devoted to cannabis providers and enthusiasts are ready to be harvested. Welcome to the Cannabis Radio Network, founded by respected rainmakers who have been producing award-winning podcasts for over a decade. Industry headlines, business updates, medical reports, marketing, and e-commerce education rolled up perfectly for your consumption. Let's grow together. The Cannabis Radio Network. CannabisRadio.com Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, we're back, and we're talking with Kevin Love from Cannabineers here on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. And we, we talked a bit about how there are quite a few infused products and edibles on the market, and they're becoming increasingly popular when you look at the data of what consumers are purchasing versus flour or concentrates or so on. And it is really more than just brownies and cookies and gummies. There are beverages and beer, as we discussed. What else are you seeing as far as the expansiveness of infused products as our cannabis industry here continues to mature? Yeah, so I, I really see it being the future of consumption, and um, and and the reason why is you look at the overall percentages of consumers that um, are actually going into dispensaries to purchase cannabis products. Right, um, we're we're targeting to more of the 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 you know initial people that came into the industry to um, you know affect change and and they're pre- predominantly flower enthusiasts right so if you take a look at how we can go about drawing in more people into dispensaries to um, engage with cannabis based products I, I feel like the most common denominator for all these um, people entering into uh, the consumption world of cannabis would be something that they're familiar with, right? So um, way more um, Americans consume alcohol than they consume cannabis currently, and alcohol is so familiar to these consumers. So if they walk into a dispensary for the first time, uh, because now they want to you know, change their lifestyle, they want to make healthier choices, they realize that alcohol is bad and they're looking for um, you know, an alternative or a potential alternative to alcohol, um, what will they gravitate towards? They're going to gravitate towards the things that they're most familiar with. Um, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, concentrates can be intimidating. Um, flour can be intimidating as well because you look at this broad spectrum of um, flour, you know, THC uh, percentages being anywhere from 15% upwards and beyond 30%. So, what does it all mean to the consumer? So, I don't think the consumer these 
the second wave of consumers want to go through, um, you know, the process of trying to now identify with the industry. I think going in and seeing, you know, a familiar product type like a beer or coffee or tea, especially microserved at 2.5, 5 milligrams, it's non-intimidating. It's easy to engage with. And it, it really will open up this whole second wave of cannabis consumers that we know are out there, but they haven't really stepped into, um, into the light yet. And I, I think that products like this will start to encourage them to want to step into the light and want to go to a dispensary and really see what it's all about. And, you know, I can speak from my parents' perspective. Um, you know, they've never been to a dispensary before living out in New Jersey, but they're in Colorado recently and they wanted to stop in and just kind of see what it was all about. So they stopped into a dispensary, had a great experience, and they were, they, it made them more proud of what my decisions were because they realized just how much the market is growing and it's not really this um you know underground type experience anymore it's very mainstream it's not counterculture and um you know the more product that we're familiar with and the more um you know um the more um in, in that realm of consumption that consumers can can tangibly mm-hmm. gravitate towards, um, the more the industry will grow and uh, the more we'll become educated um, as consumers. Yeah. Big props to your parents for being brave and checking <laughs> it out. Good job, mom and dad. Uh, I like pass it. Pass that on to them. <laughs> <laughs> so um, thinking about the regulations surrounding infused products and edibles products, Obviously, regulations from state to state here in the United States are different as well as constantly changing. Uh, what are what are you seeing on that regulatory level? Are there any big concerns that you're that are on your mind? What's your strategy for navigating this this maze, this labyrinth, this ever changing la- landscape? Yeah, yeah, that that's a really uh, loaded, tough question. It and, is. You know, I, I bring it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, well, I'll do my best to uh, give you an answer. So, um, I, I I think that there's just a lot of um, disjointedness from from state to state, and um, you know, as as an organization, we want to ensure that we're starting right and we're staying right. And what I mean by that is, um, you know, our intent whenever we do product development is to allow it to transcend from market to market. So I'm sitting here and our uh, San Diego production facility right in Sorrento Valley. And, um, you know, we had an exercise this morning with um, our team going over all the California rakes because we're bringing our canning line or we're dropping a new canning line here in the next few weeks. And uh, we're going to be in the market by early October in California. So Nevada, which is our other state, which we're currently operating in, we've been operators in that state for about two years. So um, Nevada actually knows what good looks like. They've, um, they've been very very diligent in their development of of um, regulations in general, and I think taking what we've learned from Nevada and applying that to what we're doing in California um, is is a very um, responsible approach to take. So uh, we had some of our regulators in here a couple of days ago, or maybe you know a couple of weeks ago at this point, come to think of it, but. Um, we were showing them our packaging for our beer and we have um, a um, resealable uh, char resistant top. We have a resealable six pack bag and we have warning labels beyond what the expectations or the requirements of the state of California are, right? So so what does that all mean? Well, it means that the regulators looked at us like we we're crazy. Why would, we, why would we go above and beyond when this is what their requirements are? And what we explained to them was, 
in California, although you were the first state to be um, medically um, regulated, there's so much that's changed in other markets that are both recreation and uh, medicinal um, uh, legalized. And really what we want to do is ensure that we're taking the most critical components of packaging and um, those responsible child resistant mechanisms and apply them here into this market because if if we want this market to be successful in recreational cannabis sales what we need to do is be leaders within this market by showing that here's the responsible way to go about doing it instead of just following what was kind of haphazardly put together and i i use those terms loosely because Again, California is its own economy. It's actually the sixth largest economy in the world if it was mm-hmm. a standalone economy. And to right. give you a comparison, Canada is the 10th largest economy in the world. So California, 40 million residents, 300 million tourists a year, it's it's behemoth, right? So how do you really regulate the industry? And um, it's, it's going to take a long time is the answer. So we want to work in conjunction with the regulators and show them what good looks like and mm-hmm. help educate where we can based upon our experiences in other markets in which we're operators in. And the net of it is there needs to be a universal model that we all follow. And of course, that won't come until there's federal legalization. But I think the important thing is to learn from the states that have um, a long um, a positive uh, track record of uh, cannabis legalization where we can pull everything that's worked, disregard everything that hasn't worked, and kind of start to mold what we believe the future of federal legalization and the model of the industry will be, you know, hopefully in the next, um, you know, two to three uh, years. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. NCIA's Policy Council actually is is working on or has worked on several um, white papers that serve as suggested recommendations for best policies, standards, guides, and so on. So I, I, I agree. I think it's important to aim for the A plus rather than the B minus as far as the grading of what we're doing goes and understand that we we can probably find something that works across the board, at least here in the U.S. Now, you did mention Canada, um, our neighbor to the north, and, and they have their evolving recreational cannabis, cannabis industry, and other international companies are starting to launch. Um, what kind of differences, oh, we have to hit a commercial break here in just a second, but uh, what kind of differences are you seeing internationally compared to the progress, if you want to call it that, at this stage in the U.S., I kind of feel like we're falling behind the mark a little bit. What, what, what are your views, and how are you looking to be poised and ready for the global expansion market? Yeah, and, and that's really where Canada is seeing their valuations hold. So right now, if, if you take a look at Canadian um, valuations for public companies, Canopy is a great example. Uh, I, I believe their valuation as of this morning was over $12 billion, right? Oh a couple months ago before their investment uh, from Constellation, which is a massive beverage company. Um, they represent Corona and Ballast Point, just to name a few really popular beers in their portfolio. Mm. Um, they invested $191 million at a $2 billion valuation. Uh, fast forward, eight months and we're at a over $12 billion valuation. So um, there's a, yeah, there's a lot of bottom fill going on in the industry because people are looking at Canada saying, well, they can export to other countries that have legalization, right? So in addition to that, people are also saying, well, 
Canada is now looking to make investments in the U.S., which they've actively been doing. So if you look at kind of this quagmire of events that is occurring, we're really noticing that Canada is is starting to think globally, right? They're acting locally, but they're thinking globally because mm-hmm. all these companies and their economy, um, it's it, it's going to be relied upon thinking outside of the box, thinking larger than just Canada as a market um, to, to you know, hold those valuations and keep people employed. So, you know, from from my perspective, the United States will need to play some catch up um, and, and they need to start playing catch up uh, sooner than later in order to ensure that we don't fall behind on exports potentially in this industry or mm-hmm. even our own capital being infused into the industry um, versus outside capital coming into our market. So so there's a lot of um, things that we need to start looking at more diligently from a um, progressive movement um, in, in Congress uh, to ensure that we are making the right decisions to continue growing um, on more of a federal level versus these individualized states, uh, yeah. which we've been doing for so long now. Agree. Yeah. Potentially, United States could be a global importer and maybe we'll go to Mars and smoke with Elon <laughs> Musk. All right. We're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. Stay tuned. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. Ignite the conversation on some trending topics along the Cannabis Radio social media network. Join our crew of thousands on our Cannabis Radio page on Facebook or at Canna Radio, C-A-N-N-A Radio on Twitter. Plus, look for our Facebook and Google Plus pages for all of our original programs and connect with Dr. Dina, Kyle Cushman, Dr. Mitch Earlywine, Nurse Heather, Doc Rob, the host of Gondrepreneur, and more. Connect with the growing Cannabis Radio social crusade at Canna Radio on Twitter or search for Cannabis Radio on Facebook, Google Plus, and Instagram and grow with us. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now. Bought a game for your phone, gonna make you say, wow. The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash. Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash. Little by little, your empire grows large. Put different celebrities inside your entourage. You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Chichin Chong. Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong. The name of the game is him, pink, that's the point. Download and play while you light yourself a joint. The business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh, yeah. Get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber Vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be, the Vuber way. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice, only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, we're back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice, 
on Cannabis Radio. We're talking with Kevin Love from Cannabineers as we wrap up our discussion here. Uh, well, first I'll mention that uh, at the Cannabis Business Summit and Expo this summer in 2018 in San Jose, um, it was a huge show. It was our fifth annual conference, and we had over 7,000 attendees. It was it was good, and I when I finally had some free time, <laughs> I went to your booth and uh, you were serving beers. You were serving little samples of the BrewBuds beer. Um, and I had a sample and, you know, it was exactly what I needed. <laughs> uh, it wasn't infused, I don't think, because of the laws, but it was nice to sample it and chat with you guys. And here we are chatting more about it, which is great. Um, so that was that was great. I'm I'm excited. I got to try the beer and look forward to the product being available elsewhere as well. Uh, did your team have a good experience at the Cannabis Business Summit? Yeah, when we started this this organization, uh, we we needed to look to um, a few good partners, and NCIA was always at the top of our list. Um, I think the advocacy uh, group that you have really caught our attention because uh, earlier in our conversation, I mentioned to you about you know the shift in humanities to ensure that uh, we're we're passing along a good message um, about um, just truth from fiction in this industry and and within a cannabis plan, and and what is it right, and what are the effects of it um, because we, we need to make decisions based upon um, actual knowledge versus fiction right and um, seeing that you guys were such strong advocates for uh, this positive change lobby days for instance we have a couple of our senior leaders that uh, join every year in DC and um, are, are part of um, you know the, the greater good for change and you know really mass moves right mass is going to build momentum and mass will make change and and um, we, we wanted to make sure that we selected a few good partners that we could um, be confident that we were all driving towards the same, um, um, I want to say, altruistic outcome. Um, which is legalization under the right terms in this industry uh, or in this market rather. Um, so, you know, we, we love being part of NCIA at all of your events and we have met so many great people through these events. And uh, it's just great to have those um, overlapping synergies between what our beliefs are and uh, what the beliefs of NCIA are. That's great. And we would definitely appreciate that you have people from your leadership attending our annual lobby days. And as you know, we have a full-time government relations staff in D.C. year-round doing that federal lobbying. And we have a PAC, a political action committee for political donations for uh, members of Congress and candidates who are on our side of the issues. But to be real, I have to say this, it's a fraction of the amount of money that other more established industries who have much deeper pockets at this stage. So it's important for people in the cannabis industry to not only be responsible business owners and be on the up and up, but be active in state and federal advocacy and sometimes make some donations when you can because our pockets are not as deep as other industries and we have to continue to get involved in influence. And unfortunately, we all know DC, 
runs on money. Um, so I would just encourage everyone to get involved in lobby days. And if you can, uh, join NCIA if you're not already a member. And we also have other ways to get involved as well to push this whole movement forward on the federal scale. Um, so there's also some other events coming up that I hope to see your team and maybe those listening could come check you out and talk to you guys. Uh, we have the California Cannabis Business Conference this October in Anaheim. And then over on the East Coast in Boston, Massachusetts in February 2019 is our Seed to Sale show. Um, in addition to that, we've got the quarterly caucuses. Those are uh, eight regions every three months. We have evening networking events. Uh, they are complimentary for NCIA members to attend. Um, and those interested in the industry as well can buy a ticket. So I'm looking forward to, uh, I'll, I'll be going to the Pacific Northwest Caucus in October. Uh, so anyone headed to Seattle, uh, register for that one and, and uh, I'll be there in person. And then other NCIA staff will be across the country in various other cities as well. Um, so I hope to see some of your team at some of these caucuses as well because they're really they're really nice and intimate events. They're not the big thousands of people events. They're the dozens, maybe a hundred something people. Really a different kind of feel. And I'm glad we can offer both ends of the spectrum for people in the industry as well. So are, will I be seeing you? Probably not Seattle, but maybe you'll head to some California events. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, as of this point, I'm almost certain that we're signed up for mostly every event uh, that's <laughs> geographically, uh, you know, reasonable for us to attend. Nice. So uh, I'm sure we'll uh, be seeing you shortly. That's fantastic. Great. Um, so other than that, I, I would like to ask our listeners um, if you have any feedback about the show, if you... Um, like what you're hearing, if you have suggestions for who we should interview or what you'd like to hear more about, I would invite you to send me an email at podcast at thecannabisindustry.org. Give me the thumbs up. Give me whatever you like. I want to hear it all. And if you want more information about the National Cannabis Industry Association, our federal lobbying, the events we host, head to our website, www.thecannabisindustry.org. Um, so, Kevin, as we're wrapping up the show here, um, how can we find out more about your company and its various products? Sure. So our website is uh, the best place to visit us. Um, it's just simply uh, tarootsbrewing.com. And in addition to that, uh, we have a website, cannabineers.com, which is spelled C-A-N-N-A-B-I-N-I-E-R-S.com. And there you'll be able to find our whole host of products that we manufacture, one of which we didn't mention during today's call, which is Basque. It's a topical and transdermal cream um, that has um, patented uh, polymer technology that um, pushes 81% of the actives uh, through our transdermal product into your uh, bloodstream, which other products in the market, it's roughly 10 to 15%. So um, most of what we try to do is based upon patented technology or patent pending technology. Uh, this is a remarkable product as well. So you'll be able to learn more about Basque and also see uh, our other products, Brew Buds, Two Roots, and Just Society on the Cannabineers website. 
Fantastic. Well, Kevin, I really appreciate chatting with you today and learning more about your company and looking forward to seeing you at some upcoming events this year and next. Great. Thanks for having me, Bethany. Absolutely. And thanks, everyone, for tuning in to another episode of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. Until next time. opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.